It has been a painful few weeks for the Celtic supporters knowing that the 10 in a row bid would fail and now it's official. For the first time in nine years, the Parkhead Club no longer sit at the top of the tree of Scottish football yet. There is no time for reflection or recrimination or looking back. Right now, it's about Celtic starting the process of winning that title back and there are many issues and situations around the club which have to be resolved first before that process can even really begin. Changes throughout the club are coming, both in the management sense, the playing staff will be changed, there's already been changes in the boardroom, it certainly promises to be a hectic couple of months off the park while the season is played out on it. So, with much to discuss, it is with great delight that on this week's record Celtic podcast, former striker Chris Sutton joins us to get stuck into the various topics that are on the table. Chris, first of all, how are you? <laughs> Yeah, thanks for having us on. What I want to know is, where is Mick Gannon? Mick Gannon has gone AWOL. Mick Gannon wants to come on the pod when Celtic are winning quadruple trebles. But where is he when when we need to do the hard yards? It's pathetic. That's perhaps the story of the season, Chris, when it had to be all hands on deck. He's not the only one who's gone missing. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It's, um, listen... Might as well make this segment short and sweet, Chris. You've spoken ad nauseum this season about the various things that happened. Now, now that the league title challenge is officially over, um, is it quite difficult just to sum up exactly how disappointing it's been and, and how frustratingly bad it's been? No, I don't think it's difficult to sum up. It's been the most uh, pathetic season for Celtic. And there, there's there's ways to uh, to lose your crown. All, all good things come to an end. And uh, but that just you know the whole season has been a, a disaster from start to finish across all levels of the club from uh, from the boardroom to the manager to the team on the pitch it's been an absolute disaster and I think you know that most of the Celtic fans are are you know don't know where the club uh, which direction is heading but uh, you know looking back on the season as I say there's there's, there's a way to lose and uh, and this certainly wasn't the way what seven games to go uh, the title over before the split you know in truth it was over um, in November and December um, and you know with all the excitement at the start of the season and going for 10 in a row has never been done before I think that, uh, that the Celtic fans expected uh, better and the team to put up a, a better show. So uh, that's that's the way it is. It's gone now. It's done. Uh, and Celtic have to reflect on this season. But the most important thing uh, is looking forward and, and how things are going to change. We'll come to that just shortly, Chris. Obviously, there's many things to discuss on that front. Um, but as should the Celtic supporters at this stage, you said all good things come to an end. You know, that was a, a period in the club's history which may be looked back upon in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and people recall it as being an incredible period. Um, invincible yep. seasons, quadruple trebles, nine titles. I think it was 19 domestic trophies in total over that sort of nine, ten-year period. You know, how mm. now that now that the, the run has ended as such, how would you reflect on how this period will be viewed in the future? Um, well, we you know we all understand the climate in Glasgow. Uh, the, you know the the next season's the most important one. This season's been a disaster, but over the, you know the, the the past decade has been one of Celtic's most successful periods. Uh, you know the the quadruple treble uh, it was 
an amazing feat. You know, Brendan Rodgers, the football which Celtic played under him, the invincible season. You know, we can look back and 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 reflect and say that it has been a, a, a brilliant number of years. The likes of Scott Brown, who have uh, who, who's led from the front and and carried the team through. Um, you know, and I think that you know everybody looks back and can have have fond memories but at the moment it's a sore one this this past season is a sore one for Celtic fans to accept more so as I said in the manner in which Celtic have gone under but it has been a, a, a brilliant period for Celtic we can't get away from that fact the rebuild is coming it will obviously take most of its shape in the summer although one of the boardroom changes has been made already with, with the entry of Dominic Mackay, although he's still not intended to, to sit in his chair until the summer. Um, before we get there, Chris, the Scottish Cup, it has been announced, will be uh, finalised this season, despite the problems with the, the, the fixtures that have been had so far and, and rounds having to be sort of postponed and pushed back. The SFA have set in place the dates to, to get it done. Now, the Celtic supporters, obviously, they wanted the title and, and anything that comes after it will probably not be enough to satisfy. Mm. But in terms of just getting a little bit of momentum on the pitch again, do you feel it's quite important to maybe to win the Scottish Cup just to try and set the wheels moving in the right direction again? Um, yeah, I do think it's important, the Scottish Cup. It's important for uh, for the Celtic players to... To give the support to something back, it's a it's a small comfort. I accept that. You know, the bigger picture was always going to be the league this season, but you know, Celtic need to go all out to win the Scottish Cup, and that would that would be uh, you know a, a very very small uh, crumb of comfort, and and that that would be it. Nobody's going to forget what's happened in the league, but uh, I think the players are are playing for pride and. I mean, they must be seriously motivated, seriously motivated to uh, to get some silverware on the table and and end the season on a, uh, a a tiny positive note. That's all it would be. But you know, of course, you you know, you enter a cup competition, you want to win it, and it would be important to put one over on Rangers just to sort of say, you know, give them a shot across the bows. Okay, you know, you've you've deserved to win the league uh, this season. Yeah, we, you know, we're going to have to accept that. It's been uncomfortable. It's been awful from us. But to say, you know, we're still here. Don't, don't dismiss us for next season. In that sense, would the Scottish Cup take more precedence than, for example, the last two league matches against... Rangers because obviously the title race is over but um, is it important that Celtic do strike a blow in these two games Cass um, there's obviously on Sunday week um, mm. Rangers arrive at Celtic Park as the newly crowned champions and then there'll also be another game after the split at Ibrox um, again has that just come down to you know just trying to send that signal out and obviously the Celtic players had their Celtic had their magnificent some of the players that are involved in the squad just now had the invincible tag. Um, Rangers yeah. obviously can't have it because they lost to the Betfred Cup uh, tie in the quarterfinal to St Mirren, but obviously they're still unbeaten in the league. Is that something that the Celtic players, if you were in that dressing room, would you want to be putting that to an end? Um, yes, absolutely. I, I, I would be from Rangers' point of view. Uh, the, the job is already done and the game doesn't matter as much from Celtic's point of view. It's about pride. It's about, you know, I was lucky enough to play in the season where 
the green and whitewash season where we beat Rangers every game. And that's something as a Celtic player, you do not want on your CV. So, you know, certainly that it's going to be so important for Celtic to actually not go under and not be humiliated even more because this season has been humiliation. But I would like to think that in the, you know, in the dressing room, the likes of, of Scott Brown, who's, you know, been an exceptional captain, he will be really galvanising the troops and, uh, and and wanting to to, to finish uh, the season strongly, but these games against Rangers to to make the mark. But you know, let's get it right. These games, other than um, you know Celtic not wanting to get uh, beaten uh, in every game and whitewashed, these games are uh, are insignificant now, aren't they? Uh, as such, obviously, what happens on the park will be of interest to to all supporters. Of every game is. But clearly the off-field matters now are what are taking the major um, share of the, the interest amongst the supporters and the fans and they want to know what's happening and they want things to happen quickly. Um, obviously the manager is the number one um, situation which, which courts most of the opinion. Mm. Uh, John Kennedy's in place at, in, at the moment. I mean, can, can we deal with John first, um, Chris? Is that it? Is is he a candidate at all no. for this? In your eyes, no. It just it just can't happen. And look, John's a, a good Celtic man, a good club man. But what message would that send to the supporters? John has been um, part of the the Neil Lennon regime and has been a you know a, a loyal servant to the club and you know loyal to Neil. But I just think that would be such an underwhelming appointment. Imagine the the supporters turning up first day of next season and John Kennedy's in charge. It just it is it is with the greatest respect to John and you know John may end up in future years to to manage Celtic, but he cannot manage Celtic next season. That is a a, a no no appointment. And John may be uh, you know a really excellent coach. I actually think you know the performance against Dundee United, the team played some good stuff. They lacked a, a cutting edge of. Of course, and in years to come, he he may really develop into a, a, a top top coach. But now is not the right time to appoint John Kennedy. What would excite you, Chris, or what do you think would excite the Celtic supporters in terms of? It looks as though, as usual, when it comes to the appointment, there are three categories of manager which are available and which the club will probably be looking at. And, and intriguingly enough, in each of the angles, Celtic have probably explored each one during the, the run through nine in a row. You had the the big name, the Elan of, of, of bringing Brendan Rodgers uh, into, uh, into the club. He, uh, you know, obviously everybody saw the scenes then. That was a sort of high-profile name, the highly paid name. Um, there's that type. There is another category of the the foreign manager, which was the, the Ronnie Dyler route that was taken. Um, there's a few candidates have been mentioned. Uh, Dan Petrescu has, has, has ruled himself out. Um, but a very interesting name seems to be circling around at the moment. And Enzo Maresca is currently yeah. working at Manchester City. And then there is the other, the third category, which is the sort of connection to the club. That you know the, the, the you know the old head, someone who's been there before, who knows the club. Obviously, that was the route that went to, that Celtic went down with Neil Lennon. Um, there are guys around, like you know Henrik Larsson, your old teammate, for example. Guys like that. 
mm. you know, kind of a figurehead who the supporters loved as a player. Which sort of category would you think the Celtic fans? I'm not saying which one ideally would they want, but what what ones would which ones would satisfy? Do you think that one from each category would satisfy, depending who it was, or do you think there's a certain manager they need to get just now? Um, no, it's a, it's a really difficult one. But just just dealing with uh, Enzo uh, Maresca first. Um, now he's well, he, he's he's been assistant manager, hasn't he? I mean, and he's he's managing. I think Manchester City, the the under twenty threes at this moment in time. Um, I think that that's a big ask for him to actually step up into the Glasgow environment and take over a club of Celtic size and. Would he be able to? Would would he be able to have the the personality and character to cope? That being his his first job. Now it's not impossible, but mm-hmm. what is you know he, he may be a brilliant coach, but at this moment in time, I think that that is a big ask for him to come up into the Glasgow environment with the current Celtic uh, squad or the shape the squad will be in at the start of next season. And you know, there's there's different traits which we need to put into the mix does he have the character does he have the personality does does he have um the coaching ability now he may be a brilliant coach but other things are important if you look across the city steven gerrard you know his personality his character his will to win has has shone through and he's got there in the end and he's been surrounded with uh, really good staff uh, but for for Enzo Maresca to come up, I think, would be a, uh, would represent a huge risk. Having said that, we still don't know who the director of football would be. Uh, you know, if there's going to be one put in place uh, and and when they're going to be put in place, I think that that's crucially important for Celtic. So maybe there is a thought process that that there will be some sort of combination there. I think with with regards to you know, you asked me about Henrik coming back to the club. I personally, I wouldn't like to see him come back to the club at this moment in time. I'm not. I'm not suggesting he couldn't do a good job, but the fact of the matter is, after you know what's happened under Neil Lennon, a former player coming back into the fold, you know, a legend uh, of a player, you know, one of the greatest ever at Celtic. I just wouldn't like to see it. I think recruitment is an enormous thing. So somebody who the next person coming in has to be super, super aware of what is required for Celtic to hit the ground running because it's, you know, it's so, so important and a squad needs to be built quickly. So, you know, I'm hoping all these plans are already in place, but I would I would think that, you know, when Brendan Rodgers came up, it was written in the stars as such. It, it was a great fit. Are there any fits down south or across Europe where we're looking and thinking, you know, that might just happen and the club can be lifted. You know, the Rogers appointment, really, everybody sat up and and took notice. It's a bit like Martin, O'De- Martin O'Neill back in the day, high-profile appointment where you just had the feeling that uh, that things were going to kick on and, and uh, you know, those two guys were going to turn the club around, the fortunes of the club around, and they did that. But it doesn't feel that there's anybody down south at this moment on that level. Now, you chuck Eddie Howe's name into the mix, who, you know, did a, a, a pretty good job at Bournemouth. Ultimately, they got relegated. I'm not so sure whether whether Eddie Howe, he had a, a time at, at Burnley 
things didn't go well for him at Burnley. He went back down to Bournemouth. Bournemouth was his club. Now he'll end up somewhere, of course, because he's a you know a talented manager. But I'm not so sure Glasgow would be necessarily right for him at this moment in time. A couple of uh, you know names have been bandied about. Sean Dyche. I do think that Sean Dyche really deserves to be given an opportunity. And I'm not saying Burnley's not a big big club, but at a bigger club than Burnley. And it's whether he's had enough of the Burnley project. I think he's a really interesting one because he gets tarred with this brush that Burnley are just a lumpet team. Uh, but he has worked wonders at Burnley on a small, small budget. He's kept them. I know they went down uh, when he first went in, but he got the bounce back, got them back up, and he built and structured a club who are now regulars in the Premier League. I think that's an amazing achievement. And the fact that he's uh, organised the team so well, he, he needs eventually to be given an opportunity at a, uh, a, 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 at a bigger club. And, you know, he's not a dafty, Sean Dyche. He, he'll understand about brands of football and whatever, but give him the correct uh, tools, then, you know, I'm sure he would do really well at Celtic. You chuck in, I've chucked in the name Michael O'Neill. We know what Michael O'Neill, the job which he did uh, for Northern Ireland, you know, working with, with, you have to say, sort of average players and, and getting the most out of them. You know, I don't think that they are ridiculous names to chuck into the hat. Um, but you know, it's a it's a big call, whoever it is. But the needs of this call needs to be made extremely soon. It should have been made already. You certainly the the names that you've put forward there, Chris. Of for, for example, Sean Dyche and Michael O'Neill. You have that combination of knowledge of the the British game, knowledge of what they would be getting into in Scotland. You would imagine, and also good CVs that they've done well with, with squads in the past and, and, and punched above their weight almost. Yeah, and, and, and Alex Michael, Neal is Michael another one, isn't he? But Alex uh, Neal's yeah. another one who, I mean, you know, he gets he gets a bit of a bashing at times for the job he does at Preston. But, you know, I don't see Preston as a team, you know, uh, who are on a budget really and up there with, uh, you know, a lot of big clubs in the championship who are going to push for promotion but they play you know a decent brand of football he's an organiser he knows the Scottish game the one thing which is of paramount importance which of course is not as important as the manager is which is always in the back of my mind now is this 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 recruitment issue it is so so big for Celtic getting players in that there has that we know there's going to be an overhaul but there needs to be some smart pieces of business done from Celtic. So, so therefore, you know, the the Moussa Dembele cross border signing. What was he? Half a million, yeah, half a million pounds, something like that. You know, that the, 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 there needs to be a plan in place. So, you know, that that was a you know a Brendan Brendan Rodgers signing, wasn't it? And Brendan Rodgers knew about. I think the wheel, I think the wheels were well in motion mm. for that signing, but. From speaking to the people who represent Moussa Dembele, I definitely think that the the arrival of Brendan Rodgers and the final conversation and the fact that he was going to be the manager was the final sway for him. And that's so important, isn't it? Uh, the manager's profile. And with respect to uh, to Maresca, and I'm not saying it's uh, you know it's it, it's impossible and he would do a bad job. And maybe. Celtic would be able to utilise the relationship which they have 
uh, with Manchester City, and they've utilised it in the past, haven't they? Um, you know, players coming north of the north of the border. So you know that's that that is an option. But the reason I signed for Celtic was because of Martin O'Neill, and that you know the club looked serious when they appointed him. He came with a high profile. He came with a big reputation. Uh, he was the most sought-after manager down south at that particular time, and that was the reason he could attract players. So profile is important. I think we need to, you know, make that clear. When you look at Rangers, uh, the signings they have made, you know, the first, virtually the first thing uh, every every player uh, Stephen Gerrard signed is, you know, why did you sign for Rangers, Stephen Gerrard? That that's you know that's a big deal. So profile is important. So, you know, I know there are so many different things that we can chuck into the the mix here. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think that it, it, whoever they appoint isn't going to be perfect. It isn't going to be, you know, that there isn't going to be the, the Martin O'Neill Messiah this time as far as I can see. And there's going to be uh, supporters looking at the manager coming in and there will be deficiencies. But the most important thing is that the manager is given time and there needs to be patience because I don't care who comes in. It's an enormous ask with the players which will be leaving Celtic in the summer. Odson Edward, probably Christopher Iyer, probably Ryan Christie. The loans will all go back. And then you look what uh, what the new manager or the new coach comes into uh, in terms of squad strength. And there's not a lot to work with, you know. How is how is how, if if those players who have said do leave and the um, and 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 the loans go away, which they will do, how is that squad capable? How is that team capable of qualifying for the Champions League group stage? I, you know, that's that's a massive ask. And of course, is it next season where there's the automatic qualification um, yeah. for the Champions League? So I mean, it's a Celtic need a rebuild. They need to rebuild quickly. Uh, and, you know, that's added pressure, um, you know, the following season with the uh, with, with the Champions League riches um, on offer. Can I ask one question, Chris, which has intrigued several supporters, and I just wondered what your take on it was. You've spoken at length there about the recruitment side of things, and it looks as though the club will go down the director of football route. Would you be an advocate of a manager being appointed and then almost having the say on who the director of football is so that they could work closely in tandem with it? You know, being someone that he knows and what has worked with closely maybe in the past or knows that he can trust? Or would you be of the opinion that the director of football can be quite separate, could be appointed first and then he would have a say in the manager, you know, sort of the other way about? Or do, you, or do you not think they have to have any connection prior to being appointed? It would be, I think it would be a really strange scenario, wouldn't it, if the uh, the manager coming in and, you know, director of football coming in didn't know each other. I mean, that, you know, especially at this at this particular time, that would that would be, you know, really, really odd. Because I that think. does happen at a lot of clubs, the director is um, in place and managers it, it, come and go. So, you know, they're not it, always connected. No, and uh, and it does happen. But Celtic actually, you know, th- th- they're at the stage where they need to strip everything back and think, how are we going to move forward? What, you know, what what players do we have at our disposal who can really kick this club on? What players do we need? And because it's going to take such a massive overhaul, they need the right 
person in place. The problem Glasgow's always had is that uh, supporters want instant success. And maybe, maybe that's held uh, Scottish clubs back uh, in terms of building and in terms of performances in European competition. I know Rangers are doing, uh, you know, well this season. But over the years, and, and, you know, when you look at Rangers' rebuild, but the fact of the matter is, is managers do not get lots of time in Glasgow. I suppose we could look at, you know, across the city and say, well, Stephen Gerrard didn't win for the first two seasons. Uh, Rangers... That's a fascinating point. Do Celtic fans at this stage, given the fact everything has to be stripped back, as you have suggested, and... There does need to be a complete reboot in, 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 in various areas. Do the Celtic fans have to be prepared to accept that maybe the league won't be won next year and yeah, maybe right. not even the year after? Because that's... In terms of long-term planning, that is what happened with Rangers, technically. Well, I suppose it wouldn't be. It would, it would be this season and next season to win it the following season. But are they going to have to be patient to allow something to be put in place I think so. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about the following year, the automatic promotion. I mean, that's the, that's the golden egg, isn't it? So, so you know, really, ideally, and th- this is why Glasgow is different. I think when, when managers are appointed at, say, clubs down south, clubs all over Europe, managers will look to build a squad. And, so you know, it will take time. The problem you have as a Celtic manager is if, you know, the new manager goes into the season and loses uh, three out of the first ten games and Celtic are, you know, lagging sort of eight points behind goes Rangers. Out, goes out the Champions League yeah. qualifiers and, and loses then, a uh, football uh, game. Yeah, and then, and then he's a dud. Um, you know, that's, that, that, that's it's short-termist. He's a dud. He's finished. He, you know, he wasn't good enough. We said that at the time. He shouldn't have come in. We should have gone for somebody higher profile. There needs to be patience from the Celtic support with the new man because of the way uh, or because of the, the condition the club is in at this moment in time. And and patience, I think, is the most important thing. Celtic are going to go through some hard yards, in my opinion, next season. Uh, hopefully, they'll come out the following season and really be able to push. But it, it's it's this rebuild isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to be a click of the fingers. That would be absolute miracle stuff unless Dermot Desmond turns around and says, well, you know, I'm backing the manager to a tune of 50, 60 million pounds to, to allow signings to come in to, to, to really push ranges because that's the sort of money, you know, maybe even more, which it will take to, to really go shoulder to shoulder with rangers. You think it would take as much as that, Chris, yeah? Well, no, I think I know that would take as much as that. Um, you know, when the fact of the matter is, you know, I've spoken about the players who are going to leave. Yeah. I, Christie, Edward, Celtic have some talented players, the likes of McGregor, uh, Turnbull. It's good to see James Forrest uh, come back. He, you know, looked rusty against Dundee United. That was bound to happen when he, you know, when he came on, and that's going to take time. But uh, Christopher Julian will come back eventually. We don't know whether. He'll be uh, he'll be the same player. Hopefully, he will be, and you know that will be a, a massive bonus to Celtic. Celtic have missed him, but Celtic need wholesale changes, and so therefore, you know, 
everything needs to be right for Celtic to challenge again. And that's not going to happen in a month or two months. I mean, we'll, we'll be watching the Champions League qualifiers. We do every year anyway. Sort of through our fingers, won't we? You know, it's going to be a hard, hard watch. Celtic, you know, you know, need to aim and push and try and get them because, you know, the financial impact will really help the club. But uh, I do think that, uh, that, that patience is going to be is going to be the key for Celtic next season and, and, and possibly beyond. And the manager needs time to build a foundation and build the club and, you know, maybe try and nurture. Uh, this, this, this is why, sort of, you know, you look at Scottish football and, and, the, and there have been players who have come through the ranks at both Celtic and Rangers who have gone on to, to you know, great things. Look at uh, Kieran Tierney and, and uh, he's tearing the Premier League up down south now. But the fact of the matter is, because of the instant success, which um, which is required in Glasgow, second is last, that managers over the years don't get time to really, to really develop, nurture, and and give the younger players a chance to play in the environment because it's all about winning, and that is to the detriment of of Scottish football as a whole, really. Yeah, Chris, you touched on an individual. Uh, there just when you were having your last little little piece um, James Forrest to try and finish the podcast on a positive note um, James has been a huge miss for Celtic over the, the five months that he was absent with his ankle injury um, I know you've spoken in the past about James Forrest and how sometimes his contribution could be overlooked it, almost a don't know what you've got until it's not there scenario um, James seeing him back He'll have a big part to play going forward, won't he? He, he? he turns 30, I think, in the summer, but he's still got some good two, three good years left in him yet, two, three, four good years left in him yet. Will he have an important part to play in this rebuild? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, it's interesting. I've always found him a fascinating subject, you know, with the Celtic supporters, because I always, always felt that he's underappreciated. I think, and, and, and we've seen this season, how how sorely he has been missed. Um you know, he's a player who over the years has contributed with enormous goals for Celtic, you know, domestically and in European competition. And, you know, I think Celtic are a better team with him in it. There's no doubt about that. But just because of, you know, the nature, I mean, when I was, you know, back in the day when I was playing, I always, I always liked playing sort of centrally on the pitch. The wingers used to get absolute pelters. And, uh, you know, that seems to be the case for James Forrest as well at times. Uh, at Celtic, but um, no, it, it, it's one of those situations. The fact that he hasn't played, I think that Celtic supporters will appreciate him more than ever now. Uh, he'll come back. He will be, uh, you know, a major player for Celtic in, in the next couple of seasons. I've no doubt about that. Chris, thank you very much for your time this week. Much appreciated. It's okay. No, good stuff. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for listening. All the best and good luck.